from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, I'm Jordan Lee. And I'm Piet Levy, music writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Every week we talk about music coming into Milwaukee and the music coming out of Milwaukee. This is Tapped In. Hello, Piet. How are you doing, my friend? All right, Jordan. It's weird that we are at the time we are in the summer and there is no summer fest. I'm, instead of being at the big gig every day, I'm just kind of like sitting around just streaming stuff and, you know, watching the kids. And, you know, it's just a weird feeling. But uh, it is weird. Yeah. But I keep thinking about Summerfest and, and how great it's been. It kind of, you know, I feel like I appreciate it even more now that I'm not happening, you know, that's not happening. Like I usually feel every year like, oh, by day 10, I'm like, oh, I'm so kind of on the verge right. now. Right. Man, <laughs> I can't believe this thing is 11 days every year. It's so exhausting. Now I kind of really wish I could just be there for 11 days plus. Uh, I really miss it. As they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So we're going to go back and recall some of our favorite performances and shows throughout the history of Summerfest. And uh, Piet, in getting ready for this podcast today, I actually went through YouTube and I found video of most of my memories, with the exception of one that we're going to talk about at the end of the podcast, which is from a pre-YouTube performance before there was such a thing. I think this is at the time when using Google made you a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when everyone was using... Uh, Mr. Jeeves or something like that. <laughs> so let's start with one we both agree we definitely think fondly of. And really kind of this was, a, I would say, a turning point for the grounds at Summerfest 2011 Wiz Khalifa on the Harley Davidson stage. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about it from uh, an audience perspective. Um, I saw earlier in that day, there was, you know, when Twitter was really kind of in its infancy, there had been a lot of rumors, I guess, circulating on Twitter that he wasn't going to show. Uh, it was this weird, yep. weird thing that kind of started started up, and people were like flooding the stage really early. And I, I don't know why. I, I don't really know how the tour connected. Like, oh, he's not going to show up. I better get there at like three p.m. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. And so the stage was like really mobbed, kind of all day. And I was reviewing it, but I had to review something else. So I had to like come over to Wiz Khalifa, and I kind of was like coming into it pretty late. Um, and it was just insane. I don't think I've really ever experienced a crowd like that before where it was just shoulder to shoulder everywhere. He's playing on the Harley Davidson stage, which was far too small for him. And, uh, it was just shoulder to shoulder crowds all the way back to like the lake, basically, uh, right in front of that stage. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you could not really move. It was really 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 intense um you know there were i remember vividly seeing guys like climbing up on the souvenir tents like on the roof just to try to watch it and you just you know some people were getting really kind of frustrated and angry but it never it never boiled over anything i mean mostly the people were there to have a good time and have a party and and you're right it was a turning point i think a turning point for the grounds in terms of the kind of young uh hip cutting edge acts that would come to the grounds um in the you know subsequent years and also kind of really signaled how central and important hip-hop was becoming to the culture. Uh, and it was something that I think kind of an eye-opener probably for the Summerfest team, which, you know, had come some spotty years for the hip-hop bookings after that. But they had some really amazing gets uh, starting with that year with Wiz Khalifa and Kanye, too, uh, at the amphitheater. Absolutely. And so for me, on the other side of the stage, I'm backstage because I was performing on that show. It was myself, Bizon, and Kid Cut Up were opening up the show. And for me, I had played many, many years in the past. In fact, I think my earliest appearance at Summerfest was like 2002. So for me, being a hip-hop DJ, you're right. You didn't get to open up and have that size of crowd. It just wasn't a thing. We weren't used to that yet. And the energy was palpable. Um, in fact, Bizon had to act as my bodyguard for a period of time 
because oh, wow. people were throwing water bottles at me while I was DJing because they wanted Wiz Khalifa to go on. <laughs> oh God, that's so be so nerve wracking. So it, it was, it was, but the energy was exciting. And for me as a hip hop fan, it was really uh, cementing the importance of what. Summerfest, and I have to agree with you. After that, uh, uh, hip hop bookings changed a lot. The 2010s were, I feel, much much better than the O's were when it comes to hip hop music at Summerfest grounds. No, absolutely, it was a real big eye opener. Um, and uh, you would, th- you know, you would think they would have learned to not book like super hot acts on stages, but then of course, two years later, you had the Imagine Dragons fiasco. <laughs> Northlight Oasis, um, <laughs> which uh, was you know so crowded that they basically had to open up the floodgates and let pe- like thousands of people <laughs> in without security checks or paying. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about some more of our favorite musical memories at Summerfest. In fact, this show is not unlike another experience I had with Kid Cut Up on stage, and Piet's going to share some of his favorites as well. Uh, that's coming up next on Tapped In. Don't go anywhere. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. We are back. It's Tapped In. Every week, Piet joins me as we talk about the music that comes into our city and the music that comes out of our city. Of course, in these uh, COVID times, we're not having a lot of music come into the city. And right now, no music's coming into the city for what would be Summerfest 2020. We're going back and remembering some of our favorite performances and seeing big name artists on the lakefront is definitely the highlight of Summerfest. I mean, without a doubt, I don't take for granted that I can literally ride my bike and see artists that are playing Coachella. You know, it's really a significant thing that we have here in Milwaukee. And uh, we both have some really big acts that we have on our list coming up next, starting with you uh, having Kanye West on the list uh, for his amphitheater performance. Yeah, I mean, there were so many. If you go to, I have a story address online about um, kind of 10 vivid memories, and, and most of these are kind of set oriented. Uh, and there were so many. I mean, it really was a spectacular decade uh, for Summerfest. You know, you had Bruno Mars like coming off of the Super Bowl halftime show the same year that you had the Outcast reunion and Lady Gaga. You had, uh, you know, Usher did a lone date that year. You had Paul McCartney, you had uh, Pink, you had Billie Eilish last year was phenomenal, and Jennifer Lopez. Um, but I think what kind of helped to kind of trigger this new era uh, of really impressive guests for the big gig was Kanye West back in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just coming off of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And I always find, yeah, I always find something wrong. You've been putting up with my just way too long which uh, really has gone down as a masterpiece and, and one of the most influential albums of hip-hop and, and really of all time and certainly of this past decade. Uh, and, and my personal favorite Kanye album still. Um, and, you know, he did this, this amazing album. It was a big comeback for him. He'd kind of been in kind of bad public favor after the Taylor Swift deal. Right. Um, but this was kind of a big comeback for him. And he didn't do a tour behind it. Instead, he was doing just a few festival plays um, that summer after and only three of them were in the United States. You mentioned Coachella. If you watch the Coachella documentary on YouTube, you can see yeah. what he did there, which is really yeah. impressive. And he basically brought that set to Summerfest. Summerfest was one of only three U.S. festivals that had Kanye, I would argue, at the peak of his power. Um, and there was the Essence Fest, too. That's it. I mean, it wasn't like Lollapalooza. It wasn't uh, you know, Bonnaroo, Austin City Limits. None of those. It was, it was Summerfest. Um, 
I mean, I don't even know how they how they pulled that off, how they got it. <laughs> I'm really someday I've got to kind of figure out the story of how they got Kanye to do that because it was a really really amazing get. Uh, and it was a really amazing show. Um, he, he started really late, which was something that he'd been doing. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I think people were a little irritated. I mean, he he went on like probably like over an hour after Kid Cudi did a, an opening set. Yeah. So he was on super late, but he did bring like the whole Coachella production um, to Summerfest with this giant kind of, you know, big kind of statue wall thing. And he had all these, um, all these ballerinas. I mean, dozens and dozens of ballerinas on stage for the opening when he did Power and Jesus Walks. And he was just so energized, so engaged. Uh, he couldn't resist doing like a 10-minute monologue, very egotistical monologue at some point. Yep. But nevertheless, his music was so, he was just on fire that night. Kanye hasn't been back since, and Kanye arguably isn't as good as he was kind of around those years. But we were extremely lucky to see him in his power, anyone that was the, at the peak of his prime, um, anyone that was there. Yeah, and I'm going to put you to task on that one, Piet. You do have to do a, like, maybe next year it'll be the 10-year anniversary of that show. That'd be a great article to go back and find out from the team. How did they land one of three American gigs at the pinnacle of Kanye's uh, performance? Yeah. That's a, that's a good one to get. I mean, not unlike that, for me, it was uh, one year earlier uh, opening up for Pitbull uh, on the Harley stage. This is before Ozuna. This is before Bad Bunny. Yeah. This is before the time of really Latin music exploding. Uh, you have to give credit to Pitbull. He's been blazing trails for artists to come up behind him for years. This is when some of his hits were on pop radio. Yeah. And for me to see a Latin artist just filling a ground stage like that it was inspiring it was awesome to see and it was it gave it gave me hope for what did eventually happen which was american music consumers really gravitating towards what was happening in latin music at the time no that's really cool that's a good call and you know summerfest is they've always had like a latin music day on the harley stage like in the last day a lot of it's kind of uh, with, with salsa and cumbia and yep. um yep. You know, so that's really great that they've done that. And I think they've made some strides, but that is something I really want to see more of from them in the next decade. I mean, I think Milwaukee is still pretty lacking and, and behind in terms of the Latin music market and supporting it. I mean, you, there's some good support at the rave. Pfizer Forum has made a commitment to it as well uh, before, obviously, the pandemic hit. Uh, and you had, like, last year with Jennifer Lopez at the uh, amphitheater. That was a spectacular show where you had some some great you mm -hmm. know, English language pop songs, but Spanish language pop songs as well. Um, and so it's just really great for that um, that culture and that music to really be represented at Summerfest. And it's cool that you were there performing, uh, you know, opening up for Pitbull. Any, anything that stands out from the performance itself um, or the audience, um, you know, just being on stage, he had some carnival-style dancers that were in all the feathers with all the ruffles and all the headdresses that you yeah. could imagine. And I remember being backstage and trying to get my gear out and having to navigate around these women who were dressed in these gorgeous Brazilian-style outfits. It was incredible. There's also a guy waving a flag, not unlike you'd see at a football soccer match, sure. uh, that was just way too big for someone to wave. I don't understand how that guy did that. <laughs> that was pretty incredible. We also talk a lot about, of course, the amphitheater. Uh, this year would have been the new and improved amphitheater experience, which yeah. everyone in Milwaukee is excited to check out. But we've seen some pretty great shows at the amphitheater, and you picked probably one of the biggest gets in the history of the festival, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I don't know if Summerfest will ever be able to get 
get something like this as well. I mean, the Kanye get was spectacular, and I would say that's that really rivals what happened with the Stones in 2015. Um, the Stones had announced a, they did like a it was called the Zip Code Tour, and they were just playing 15 dates on that tour. They were basically all football stadiums. I mean, all like really massive venues with like 40,000 capacity or plus. Um, and and then there was the Marcus Amphitheater, which is now the uh, updated American Family Insurance Amphitheater. Uh, the capacity there is only 23,000. I mean, by far the smallest venue um, on that tour. A tour that yeah. also skipped over uh, Chicago. A tour that skipped over, yeah. I think, maybe even New York and LA. I know that a lot of the big markets they usually play were not on that tour. It was really kind of bizarre that, you know, and same with like the Kanye thing, you know, it, obviously you would expect the Stones to play Soldier Field or something or Kanye to do a big Chicago play um, after that album and then the Stones to do it in 15. It didn't happen. It was Milwaukee. It was Summerfest. Um, so this was like a massive deal. It was their first show in a decade in Milwaukee. Uh, I remember vividly going to the box office when the tickets went on sale Big crowd there, people just trying to get tickets. The tickets all disappeared like within seven minutes. Uh, they were all gone yep. fast. And at the time, I remember just being my eyes popping about the resale price, which was like, you know, going for like, you know, a thousand bucks or something. You could buy a car. You could buy a car for the resale price. <laughs> <laughs> I played less for my first car than you would for those tickets. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, I feel like the ticket prices, especially with now Pfizer Forum in here, and, and there's been more kind of a push before the pandemic hit around VIP experiences and stuff, the resale markets really kind of exploded. But back then in, in 2015, even just a few years ago, these were some prices that were just mind boggling to see. Um, so there was, I would say this show probably had more hype behind it than maybe any concert within the last decade or, or two decades. Um, just because yeah. we have the stones in Milwaukee, first time in 10 years, maybe the last time ever playing the smallest venue on the tour. Um, you know, that was just such a huge deal and it was a spectacular show. I mean, the hype was massive going into it, but the show was so great. Um, you know, from Keith Richards, you know, kind of power, you know, stage presence and, uh, they did a jam with Buddy Guy, which was really cool. Uh, Mick Jagger was just, uh, he's just one of a kind. He just, no one has the kind of swagger that Jagger had. And just to see him kind of doing his thing, it just it felt like a dream at times, just seeing him kind of move because it's just this otherworldly sort of uh, dance moves and stage presence. And to see him like in that amphitheater at that time, I just it, it didn't feel real uh, as I was watching it. It was so surreal. And then you had the, um, I think it was the University of Wisconsin uh, cho uh, chorus that came in for uh, You Can't Always Get What You Want, uh, which was like a goosebump-inducing moment. So, mm -hmm. yeah, a big show with massive hype behind it, um, but one that will never really be forgotten and one that really kind of surpassed all incredibly high expectations. Mm -hmm. So I have a, a really a gem of a memory for me. Uh, this is going into, I thought it was 1999, but I looked back and uh, I, I, I confirmed on MTV.com that this show is actually in 2000, okay. uh, which is why there's no YouTube footage of it anywhere that I can find. But I was a big ska fan in the 90s, so I was excited to see No Doubt at the amphitheater. Yeah. Now, Pia, this is the days where you didn't necessarily need to buy the amphitheater ticket. If you were a hungry kid like me, you could buy your general day pass, you could get your hand stamp, and then you could get the lawn seats for free. Cool. This uh, was something I took a lot of advantage of at that time. I don't think I even had a job at this point in high school. Um, actually, so this is, no, hold on. This is 2000, so I was in college. So either way, I still didn't have a job. <laughs> but I remember being a big fan, so I wanted to see the show. 
and uh, the Black Eyed Peas opened up for them. Wow. And at that time, I was just getting to know the Black Eyed Peas. I think I had the Fallen Up single, and that was about it. Focus on this, the air seductionist. More than lyricists in this rap metropolis. More like an activist. We give it to you all. Presentation will make you have a war. Sounds are conceiving, causing you to meditate. Manipulate the mind with hypnotical legislate. Be far from the and um, this is when you're, you're talking about the Black Eyed Peas sounding more like uh, De La Soul and less like Pitbull at that particular time in their career. But to me, to, to now the gem sticks out because I saw Will I Am breakdancing on the Marcus Amphitheater ground and realized that like this now, you know, to, you, to, if I wanted to see the a Black Eyed Peas show, you're, you're talking about what we just talked about a few moments ago as far as ticket price and, and demand yeah. is concerned. So I really value that that moment. It was a great show. It was a lot of fun. It was a different era of Summerfest. It was kind of, again, where the 90s were bleeding into the O's there. So the, the, the whole experience was just a different energy at that time. And uh, I don't take for granted that I got to see arguably one of the biggest groups in the history of popular music open up for No Doubt in 2000. Oh, that's awesome. No, I, 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 I kind of came in, I was an intern at the tail end of that era when you could get the long passes, which basically doesn't yeah. anymore. But I remember... Um, there was a reporter, a, a woman who uh, was covering something at Summerfest during the day, and I asked her to get a wristband for me because I couldn't get there till late, so I could try to see the Pixies and Weezer show. Yeah. Um, so she got the wristband, but her uh, her wrists, of course, were significantly smaller than mine. Spent <laughs> 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 probably like you know fifteen minutes just trying really desperately to like get this wristband on my own wrist, and it like it looked so crumpled and looked like horrible. It looked like it just gotten run over by diesel trucks, uh, but it did make it onto my wrist, and I did get into the show, and that was that's awesome. awesome. What a great memory. <laughs> We also, you know, have had the opportunity to see some really great local acts at Summerfest. That's always been a, a theme. Of course, you know, selfishly, Piet, I've been talking about some of my own personal experiences and being able to open up for bands at Summerfest and be a part of the festival. Uh, but when you have uh, locals headline Summerfest, those are these moments that have stuck out. And we've had these moments from historical greats to even contemporary new artists who have been able to really wow the audiences at Summerfest as a headliner. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's billed as the world's largest music festival, but um, a vast majority of the, you know, 800 acts that they book there are local acts. So that's kind of what makes Summerfest so special too, especially when you compare it to other festivals, is it really is an amazing showcase for local talent. Um, and there was one year I remember, this wasn't actually a headline set, but it really kind of signaled what would become a headline set for him. But it was Ishtar. Um, it was back in 2016. That was the year that Paul McCartney headlined Summerfest. So he was kind of getting a lot of the energy and a lot of the attention. Um, but I remember Ishtar was booked very last minute. I don't think he was even in the brochure. He was booked like like less than two weeks before the show. Yeah. We had like a six o'clock set on a Tuesday at the Miller Lite Oasis. So he wasn't even like direct support for the headliner that night, who I don't even remember what the headline was that night. I remember kind of, you know, when, you, when you're reviewing, you, you get access to a trailer backstage, you kind of walk in this alley behind the stages. Uh, that's kind of how you get to the grounds, how you get back in there um, kind of quicker. So I remember just kind of walking back there, rounding the corner behind, you know, into the, into the grounds basically to get in front of the Miller Lite Oasis. And I was just floored and stunned because when I walked out there, I did not expect to see thousands of people. I mean, 5,000, 7,000, I don't know, 8,000. 
I mean, it was just thousands and thousands of people packed on at 6 p.m. on a Tuesday at the Moonlight Oasis while Ishtar had just started his set. And uh, they weren't there for the headliner. I mean, the, based on the, the, the size, but certainly the energy of the crowd, they were there for Ishtar. There were all these like high schoolers, some college kids, all there to see him, a local rapper. Uh, I could not believe my eyes, and I was so thrilled. He was clearly so thrilled. He was having like the greatest time of his life, uh, and it just really kind of signaled, um, you know, that uh, the Milwaukee hip hop scene um, had been kind of bubbling up at that point. And this really kind of seemed like a, a big watershed moment where Milwaukee hip hop had really arrived in a major way, where you could have a star in the scene attract several thousand people <laughs> at six o'clock on a Tuesday. And yeah. the following year, he would be the first uh, local rapper to headline a ground stage and packed a bunch of people at the Briggs and Stratton stage the following year. Um, so it was just really, really cool to see. And I'll never forget that. I also got to experience something similar again, performing with the Rusty Peas. This was in 2015, opening up for for me, my yeah. all-time favorite group of, of all-time, all-time, all-time public enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name is Dana Kappa. Bo. Yo, yo, MC1 South. Cadillac. Light-skinned Tony in the building. And Phantom Channel. Uh -oh, this uh -oh, is one uh -oh. moment. One moment. One, uh -oh, uh -oh, one moment. Uh -oh. Big ups to DJ Mad Hatter uh -oh, in the back. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh -oh. The boys is back. The boys is back. The boys are back in town. We've been down since day one. They keep us under the crown like you found. The time's come. They always have been. Yes, they always will. Everybody who knows me knows that I'm a huge PE fan. So personally, opening up for them was crazy. Also, everyone assumed like, oh, did you get to talk to Chuck? Did you get to talk to Flavor? And I never did. I kept my head down. I was in work mode the whole time. But I was going back and looking at this Unify Records recap on YouTube of the crowds and remembering how well it was received and seeing the comments and, and, and shares that a lot of folks who were there for kind of that nostalgia of late 80s and early 90s hip hop were equally as impressed with the Rusty Peace performance as they were with Public Enemy's performance. I remember there were some great reviews. And now going back and looking at the uh, imagery of this show, it was packed. I mean, you're at the Oasis and the lines are going all the way back to, again to Saz's. Uh, it was just a wonderful moment and uh, a really great opportunity, I think, for there wasn't. And I can say this objectively because, uh, you know, since that time, I've, I, I was there was a huge amount of time I was not in the Rusty Peace, And now there's been a huge amount of time not been in the Rusty Peace, And objectively, they are, you know, hands down one of the most important rap groups in the history of Milwaukee's rap scene. I mean, they were able to do a lot of firsts and they were able to be there at a very pivotal point in 90s hip hop and continue to stay relevant through the O's and into the teens. And to see that kind of culminate and to see fans of, of really golden era hip hop coming out to support a local group like that, that was a really special moment. That's really incredible. I mean, yeah, to, to play for like legends like that, I can't imagine, you know, how... I can't imagine how much that would mean to to to, to you. I mean, it probably can't really Man, I mean, it, it's it's really it, it's exceptional from, from you know from Public Enemy to Wu Tang to oh man, it's just been so cool to be able to be a part of those experiences and 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 those experiences will continue. Of course, you know, here on Tapped In, we're talking about music that comes into our city, and as as music is changing here in our city, you know, you can stay with us. We're going to continue to give you coverage of what's happening. And Piet's got this article up now with some other great performances. Uh, you've got some others on that list, including J Lo, and uh, I loved the interview with the dancing guy. 
I thought that was a good <laughs> a good little extra in there. Uh, so you can check that out now at jsonline.com. Piet's article is up today. It's as we wait for Summerfest and Milwaukee to return. It's cherishing 10 memories at Summerfest. Piet, I want to thank you again for always uh, coming through with great content for this podcast. It's uh, so, so fun that we've been able to keep this going, even though times are changing. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Tapped In is produced by Kenny Perez. Our handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab, and we receive support from you, our members and subscribers. We can't do what we do without your support. Thank you for joining us for Tapped In. Piet, I'll see you next time. Thanks, Jordan. See you next time.